Hello, I'm Derek Walker, the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. We're in a series on Christian foundations. We talked about the fact that we're not just saved and forgiven and have eternal life, but actually Christ is the foundation, not just for our eternity, but our moment-by-moment -moment life. Christ is the foundation. We have a choice every, every day whether we build our lives on the foundation of Christ and his life and his grace that's in us now, or whether we live the old way, living out from our own soul, our, which is called our self-life or our independent soul life. And, and if we just churn out stuff from our own soul, it's called dead works. It doesn't have the life of God in it. We can walk in that oldness of that life, or we can walk in the newness of the spirit, which is by faith, by trusting, in the life of Christ in us. And so we've, we've been talking about walking in victory over sin. And uh, I find that you'll hear many messages about victory over circumstances, victory over problems, you know, that are outside of us. But actually, the real victory we need to win is the victory over sin. And we talked about the fact that through Adam's sin, not only were we accounted guilty, we're in a state of sin, just because we're in Adam, but also we inherited a sin nature from Adam. Thank you, Adam. And this sin nature is in our flesh, and so we inherited it through our physical birth through Adam. Because we're not just an isolated person, we are part of the human race under the headship of Adam. And so we receive this sin nature from Adam as well. And so that is what causes us to commit sins. And so in saving us from sin, and that's what Jesus came to do, he came to save us from sin. Yes, from hell too, but hell is the consequence of that sin. Our salvation is from sin. Sin by its very nature is us being independent from God, going our own way. To each one turn to his own way living our life from our own soul that's called pride I am the center of my own life and so the very nature of Christ's righteousness begins with the fact that I now surrender myself to God and I live out from his life that he's put within me so we're talking about how Christ is our foundation now and we now have to build our life upon the foundation of Christ. We do it through his word and through his spirit. And through his word, of course, we need to get his word into our heart uh, because the word gives us the substance of our new life. But it's not that the word is like a set of laws that we then try and do in our own strength. We actually have to depend on the spirit of God in us to, to, to do the word of God. And so it all begins, it says, the two foundational doctrines, the starting point, if you like, for building our life on the foundation of Christ are described as faith toward God and repentance from dead works. And what this means is we've got to repent from the old way of living, of trusting in ourselves, living out from ourselves, and instead living by faith, by looking to God, to Christ as our source of life, of love, of wisdom, of righteousness.
He is our foundation now. When you receive Christ as Lord, he is the foundation now, and you rest on that foundation. Not just for your forgiveness and your eternity, but actually you rest on his foundation. His life in you now is your source of life, your source of wisdom. You don't trust in your own mind. You trust in Christ and his wisdom. And that is faith. It's exciting because you've got to let go of control. You are no longer the manager of your life. You trust Christ in you to live his life through you. And that's the real life. And so this is absolutely foundational, is, to, is the repentance from dead works and putting your faith in Christ day by day. And if you do that, you will walk free from sin. You see, the sin nature is still in our flesh. Uh, we, we, when you are born again, you didn't receive you received a change in your spirit, but not in your body. So that sin nature is still there. And if you just follow the flesh, you automatically come under the power of that sin nature. You will live as a slave to sin. But you don't have to now, because Christ has provided a new birth for you. When you receive Christ, your spirit was born again. And the resurrection life of Christ that has overcome sin come into your spirit. And now the Holy Spirit lives in you. And as you walk from, from his source, looking to him as the source of life, walking in the spirit, being filled with the spirit, you will automatically overcome sin because the power of the spirit is far greater than the power of the sin nature. And that's the key, not by trying harder in your flesh to do the right things, but by surrendering yourself to the spirit. And then as the spirit leads you, you, you will do the will of God. And, th and that's the kind of, that's the key to how you overcome the power of the sin nature in your life and walk in victory. And, and because this is so important and because you hear hardly any sermons about this, I really want to go to the major passage in the Bible that, that really talks about this, which is, um, takes in chapters, Romans chapters 5 to 8. We're going to have a, a look through this to see how Paul describes this, because by knowing this, we can cooperate with God. You see, we used to live out from the sin nature as our base of operation, from our own soul, which was empowered by the sin nature. But now God has set up a new base of operation in us, which is Christ himself who lives in us. And we need to learn to repent from the old way of living and surrender to Christ and his life as a new way of living. And we will bear great fruit. We're going to see this in Romans 5. And I'm going to, to a large extent, let the scripture speak for itself. And hopefully this will come to life in a new way. I tell you, once you have victory over sin, the victory over circumstances is a relatively e easy thing because victory over sin gives you dominion in life. All right, so we're going to talk about, go to Romans 5 now. And Paul himself describes how he come out of bondage to the sin nature and how he comes into the liberty of the Spirit. And certainly by Romans 8, he's, 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 uh, he's done that. Uh, and so... The situation is that in Adam, we were, uh, you know, in bondage to the sin nature. And even Paul, as a Jewish man, he lived under the law, but he realized that the, the, the law and having all of God's laws didn't actually help him because 
of the weakness of the flesh. Because of him trying to do those laws in his own strength, uh, he found himself just coming under more and more bondage to the sin nature because he was trying to do it out from his own soul. And so he describes how what God did was put us into Christ so that we're now standing on righteous ground. We are righteous in Christ. There is no condemnation in Christ. And through the new birth, we have access to the power of the Holy Spirit. And by living and surrendering to the grace of God from the Spirit, Paul discovered he could walk in victory above sin. And so he, uh, we'll see how he learned to live under grace by submitting to God's grace and uh, learning a whole new way of living. So we're going to start in Romans 5.17 to kind of set the scene for this. And this kind of gave, gives the legal foundation for, for this. He says, if by one man's offence, that's Adam's sin, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Praise God. So notice the key is, just as in Adam we came under the power of sin and death, yet if we will receive God's free gift of righteousness, we now have access to the grace of God. And as a result, we will reign in life. Therefore, as through one man's offence judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, really it was his whole life, but then he offered that righteousness up on the cross. And as a result, the free gift of righteousness came to all men, resulting in justification justification of life. In other words, once you're made righteous with God, you now have access to the life of God and it already was released in your spirit and that life is now available for your soul and your heart and your, even your body. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. And you're made righteous in two ways. The imputed righteousness of Christ is put to your account, but also the righteousness of Christ is imparted to your spirit and from your spirit can now take over your whole life. And then he says, moreover, the law entered that the offence might abound. And so he says, God revealed his law, but actually that just magnified sin because the law revealed sin and the law actually... Um, the harder you try and keep the law in your own strength, the more you come under the power of the sin nature. But where sin abounded, he says, grace abounded much more. God's remedy is more powerful than the, than the sin problem. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Sin, the sin nature reigned, resulting in death. But... God's answer is his grace, which is his operational power in us, flowing out of our spirit. Grace is going to reign now through righteousness. Notice, you need the foundation of righteousness, the righteousness of Christ, and that gives you access to that grace which will cause you to reign in life over the sin nature and over your circumstances. And now we move into Romans 6 verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin? Continue in sin, under the sin nature, that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? And so 
he's dealing with a misunderstanding here. He is saying that uh, that our sin uh, somehow uh, encourages God's grace, and that of course wasn't what Paul meant. But he's saying that. Uh, Shall we continue in sin that grace may more abound? And it's like, well, the more I sin, then God is more and more merciful to me. No, he's saying that that is nonsense because that is confusing grace and mercy. Mercy is when God forgives you your sins. But grace is God's operational power in you to walk free from sin. And so grace, you have to submit to grace. It says we are under grace. God has provided grace, but you have to submit to grace for it to work through you. And so if you submit to the sin nature, you're automatically out of grace. You're not under grace. So it's nonsense to say, well, the more I sin, the more I avail myself of God's grace. That's nonsense. Certainly not, he says. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? And this is a challenging statement because if we're honest... We haven't died to sin in the sense that my body hasn't died to sin and my mind hasn't, and hasn't died to sin. I still can be tempted by various uh, sins. So in what sense have I died to sin? And what he's talking about is our spirit. As he's going to go on to explain, our spirit, the real us, has died to sin. In other words, the sin nature has no power over your spirit because your old spirit, your old man has died in Christ and you are now a new man and it is perfect. It is sinless and it doesn't respond to sin. It's overcome sin. So you, in other words, Paul says, you need to identify who you are. What is your base of operation? What do you identify as? You are a reborn, recreated spirit. You're a new creation in Christ. And the real you has died to sin. And as you live out from who you really are, you will experience that sin has no power over you. But if you live in the flesh, you'll find that sin certainly does have power over you. So it's all about where you live out from. What is the foundation from which you're living your life? And so he explains it in verse 3. Or do you not know, you, we see we need to know these things, that as many of us that were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. So now he's talking about the baptism into Christ which is one of the foundational doctrines, which basically says that when you believed in Christ as your Lord, you were taken out of Adam and you were baptized into Christ. And the moment you were put into Christ, everything that Jesus did for you on the cross was applied to you, praise God. And that's when you were born again. And now he describes what happened in you when you were born again. You were baptized into his death. And to be baptized means total identification. And so Christ, as your representative head, he died, but you, you would join to him in his death. So you died with Christ. He was buried. You were buried with Christ. And when he rose, you were raised with Christ. And all that happened in your spirit, in the real inner man that you are. So he says, when you were baptized into Christ, you were baptized into his death. And so he took you into the death so that that brought your old man, your old spirit, to an end. Praise God. You are baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. Not only did you die with Christ, you were buried with Christ. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be his resurrection. 
In other words, what he's saying is through union, through baptism into Christ, which happened at the moment of the new birth, your old man died with Christ, you were buried with Christ, and now your spirit is risen with Christ, which means your spirit consists of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, hallelujah, which has automatically overcome sin. He says, knowing this, that our old man, that's your old spirit man, was crucified with Christ, hallelujah, that the body of sin might be done away with. Now, this is a key verse that most preachers, I'm sorry to say, get wrong. They assume that the old man is the same as the body of sin. That is absolutely not the case. The old man is your old spirit man. The body of sin is a reference to the sin nature which is in your body. And so what he's saying is your body was crucified, your old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin, now the body of sin is still present, but this word here might be done away with, it is not translated ideally, this is the word for neutralized or destroyed. It isn't actually means it ceases to exist, it means it's neutralized. Its power over you has been broken. All right, by because you now have a, a new spirit, the old that body of sin, that sin nature, uh, no longer has dominion over you because you, you are your spirit, the real you, is resurrected above that. That's what it's saying. The sin nature now is still there, but it no longer has dominion over you. Is that we should no longer be slaves of sin. See, the body of sin is talking about the sin nature, that we should be no longer slaves of sin. So although the sin nature is still there, we, don't, we are no longer slaves of sin because now we are a new creation in Christ, in our spirit. For he who has died, that's our spirit, is, has been freed from sin. Your spirit is freed from the sin nature. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having raised, been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. When Christ took sin on himself and then victoriously overcame sin, uh, that is the power of his resurrection life. When God raised him from the dead, he has total victory over sin and death no longer has dominion over him. And that same resurrection life of Christ is what you have on the inside of you in your spirit. That's, what he, that's why he says, verse 11, likewise you also reckon yourself. He says, count this as a fact. Reckon your, it's an accountancy term. It says, that's the fact. You've got 20,000 pounds in your bank account. Hallelujah. Count, you can reckon on that. That's what it means. This is real, really true. Reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin. Your spirit is dead to sin. You have a firm foundation on the inside of you. If you'll just live out from your spirit, you'll discover the reality of this. You are dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, your reborn spirit is alive to God. It's connected to God's grace, connected to God's life. And the more you, you draw upon that life, you'll discover the reality of it. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Notice, you still have a mortal body. Why is it mortal? Because of the sin nature that's in it. Notice the sin nature has not gone away, but now you don't have to obey it. It says, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. You have an, Before, you had no choice, but now. And, and what does it mean to let sin reign? It says that you should obey it in its lusts. So the sin nature, through lust, um, causes you to, um, to obey it.
And you don't have to, because now you've discovered a new way of living. Do not present your members, the members of your body, as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. So you are your spirit. You present your, yourself to God and your soul to God and the members of your body you present as instruments to do God's will. You, in other words, what you have to do now is surrender to live in the reality of it, you have to surrender yourself to God and your body as a living sacrifice to God. Before, your body was surrendered to the sin nature automatically, but now you don't have to do that. You can surrender to the source, to your head, and he will supply the life you need to live in victory over sin. For sin will not have dominion over you, praise God, for you are not under law but under grace. Now that's fascinating. Before... Um, he says you were under law Um, and that's the way Paul used to live and that's how the way a lot of Christians live because when you're living out from your own soul that is like living under law you you have a set of rules that you have and they might even be very Christian rules but you are living under law which means you're living externally trying to keep these laws in your own strength and now God says you're, you're not under law anymore because in the new covenant you are under grace. What that means is that God puts his laws in your heart and he causes you to keep his laws by the power of his grace. And so it's you are not managing yourself anymore, but you are under grace. You submit to the grace of God in you. You submit to the power of the Spirit in you and now as you, that's the position you've been given, you're under grace, but you can still choose to submit yourself to the sin nature, but you don't have to. And if, as you submit yourself to grace and you walk, live under grace, you will discover that the sin nature has no dominion over you. What then? Shall we sin because we're under law but under grace? Again, that doesn't, that ignores what grace is. Um, it's, it's confusing. Mercy, mercy is that God forgives you when you sin. But if you are under grace, you will, you will not sin. Certainly not. Do you not know that who, to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that person's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. In other words, as a Christian, although legally we are under grace, practically we have a choice every moment of every day, to live under grace, to submit ourselves, or to submit and, be, and enslave ourselves to the sin nature. We, we, whoever, whatever we present ourselves to, the flesh or the spirit, we become a slave. Either way, you can't be free. You're either the slave of God or you're a slave of, of, um, of the sin nature. And he says, although God has legally made it possible for you to live under grace, you have to make that choice to submit to that rather than to sin. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin in the past, yet you obeyed from the heart the form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And that's what I'm sharing with you right now. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. And so God's done all the work for you, but... He set you free from the sin nature. Your spirit is free, but you now have to become a slave of righteousness. What That righteousness that's flowing out from your spirit in, in the love, 
So you now have to submit to that and become a slave to that and let that rule your life. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. He says, I'm sorry if you don't like the language of slavery, but I have to put it very strongly to you because of the weakness of your flesh. While you think you can do this stuff in your own strength, you will fail and fail and fail again. That's the weakness of the flesh. He says, you've got to realize, don't trust in yourself. You're just operate as a slave to sin. But instead, submit yourself to God as a slave of righteousness and you will discover freedom and joy. For just as you presented your members as slaves to uncleanness and lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members have, as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you're now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. He says, do you really want to carry on living the way you, you did? Just experiencing failure and death? What good is that? Why don't you try this new way of living? But now, having been set free from sin and becoming slaves of God, you have your fruit of, to holiness and in the end, everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the choice that faces us all. There are two ways of living. Before you had no choice, you were a slave of sin and you, death was everywhere. But now, God has set you free Set your spirit free from the sin nature. And now you have an opportunity of surrendering your soul and your body to God, of becoming a slave to God. And then you will bear wonderful good fruit of love, joy, peace, unto holiness and everlasting life, great rewards in heaven. Or you can choose the old way of living in your own strength and you will have death instead of life. It's obvious which is the best way of living, but you have to believe it. You have to believe that God has provided this firm foundation, the life of Christ on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit lives in the inside of you. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Look to him as the source of life and strength, and you will find that as you put your eyes on him, he will supply the life and the wisdom and the peace and the love and everything that you have need of. And the more you do that, the easier it will be but we have to learn to live this whole new way of living. We're looking at the foundations, how important it is to have the right foundation in your Christian life. And this series covers a lot of key issues like creation, evolution, the authority of the believer, what it means to be a disciple, uh, what the gospel really is, uh, the jubilee and uh, some other fascinating stuff that I believe will, will deeply enrich your life. There's a book that fits perfectly with this series on Christian foundations called Growing Up Spiritually. And this is so important that we know the foundational teachings whereby we can grow spiritually. And uh, let me recommend this book. It's, uh, it's, it's not very expensive. Growing Up Spiritually gives you many of the key teachings in this series and, and others too. You can watch more of our teachings on our Oxford Bible Church Roku channel and Derek Walker YouTube channel. You're most welcome to join us at our church services which are every Sunday at 11am and 6pm at Cheney School, Headington, Oxford, OX3 7QH. You can order CDs, DVDs, books and other great products from our online shop at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk. 
or by calling 01865 515 086.